theyeshiva.net. This Mimer of Torah Ur Parshas Boy, the first Mimer of the Balatanya here in Torah Ur Boy, was said by the Alter Rebbe, Rabbi Shneir Zalman of Liadi, the Balatanya, the founder of Chabad Chsidis, <coughs> the author of the Shulchan Aruch Harav, on Shabbos Parshas Boy, Tovkuf Samachhe. That's 1805. And it was said during the Sudas Shachris, during the morning or afternoon Shabbos meal, the second meal of Shabbos. And the way we know this is, even though here there's no date, but as I mentioned to you a number of times, that the Baal Hatanya had different students and disciples who would write down his Maimorim. They would transcribe the thoughts, the ideas, the experiences that he shared over Shabbos or Yom Tif or whenever he said the Maimorim, they would write it down. They transcribed it and, uh, and thus immortalized it. Some of them, not all, some, were then reviewed and edited by the Alter Rebbe himself. Most of the Maimorim in Torah Eir, on the Kutta Torah, are transcripts of his brother. He had a brother known as the, he wrote a sefer, Shalsa Tshuva Sheris Yehud, the Rabbi Yehud Leib. They called him the Maharil, Meirenu Harav Rabbi Yehud Leib. He was quite a gone in his own right. And he was one of the main writers. And he wrote the Maimarim. And this is what's printed in Tairet. But there were other writers. The, the, the Alter Rebbe's children. The Mittler Rebbe, Rabbi, Rabbi Doiv Ber, Rabbeinu Rabbi Doiv Ber his youngest son, Reb Moshe, his grandson, the Tzamech Tzedek. Reb Pinchas was a great chassid. Reb Pinchas of Shklov, Reb Pinchas Reizis would write. So sometimes we'll have a mimer with the transcripts of different disciples writing the same mimer. It's not identical. The themes, of course, are more or less identical because they were writing the same mimer. But you could see that people write the way they grasp and they put emphasis on certain things, and sometimes the order is different. It's very interesting. I, I always uh, find it actually enthralling and exhilarating to learn a mimer from the Alter Rebbe that was written by his brother, to learn the same mimer that was written by his son, the Mittler Rebbe, Rebbe Dov Ber, who focused very much on the meaning of what his father was trying to say, to read the same mimer that was written by his other son, the brother of the Mittler Rebbe, Rebbe Moshe, who was a, a brilliant man and a brilliant writer, and also a brilliant, he was known to be a, an extraordinary man, and his writing is also very uh, very beautiful, very eloquent. To read the same Maimah that was written by his chassid, Repinchis, Repinchis Reizes, and sometimes the same Maimah written by his grandson, the Tzamech Tzaddik, Reb of Lubavitch. And it's the same Maimah that said on the same day. Now many of the writers those days weren't meticulous about dates. Because who cares about the date? The main thing is the Maimer. But uh, some writers were. So the Maril wouldn't write a date. He would just write the Maimer. The Tzamech Tzedek put it into Parish's boy in Torah Er, because the Tzamech Tzedek printed Torah Er and look at the Torah. But then I saw that in my Moriad Murazak and Tovkov Samachet, there's a red set of the Alter Rebbe's Maimorim over the years. Many of them are in Torah Er and look at the Torah, but they're transcripts of different writers. So Parish's boy, I saw the Alter Rebbe set a Maimer Friday night. That was written down. Uh, and then he said, Amaymer Shabbos Parshas Boy Besudas Shachris. 
in the morning meal, and that's this maimer. And then there's a third maimer that he said in the same meal, I guess later. So I guess in the same suda, must have been a long suda, there were two, there were two maimarim, and both of them are gedichte, gedichte maimarim. So we happen to have the date here. Now, what was the theme? This is just, I think, a, a very interesting history to know when you learn these maimarim, how it developed and so forth. I think I mentioned in my interview with the Jewish platform last week, Reuven Perlowitz, that uh, it's very unique because 1805 is more than 200 years ago, of course. 216 years ago, right? 1805? Uh, no. Uh, uh, 2005? Yeah, yeah. 216 years ago. And, uh, and you know, it's, uh, obviously there were no recording devices to be able to have a Rebbe who spoke, who said Torah, who said Chesidus at the table, at the base Medrash, wherever it was. This was at the table. At the, it says in the middle of the Suda, so it had to be at some table. And then it was recorded so meticulously with, with all the details is, is, is something extraordinary. What was the point? The point was, I'm going to say the point, the way it was, the, according to the, the, the themes, the phraseology in the mimer, using the phrases and the vocabulary of the mimer. That the Gemara says in Mesech Tebrachis Lamed Aleph about Chana, that she was the first one to give Hashem the name Tzvois. From the day Hashem created his world. That's the expression. Very interesting expression. It doesn't just say she introduced the name. From the day Hashem created the world. There is no man who's calling Hashem Tzvayis. It sounds like calling Hashem Tzvayis is a revolution. It's a radical metamorphosis. From the creation of the world, we had to wait till Chana for the name Tzvayis. Why? What's uh, you called Hashem Tzvayis? What does Tzvayis even mean? Tzvayis usually is translated with the word Tzava. Tzava is an army. Tzvayis are troops, legions, groups of soldiers, of fighters, come who are in combat. That's what a Tzava is. What's today's Israeli army called? Tzahal, Mazet Tzahal. Tzava Haganal Israel, but any army is called a tzava. So tzvayis, it says in Medrash Rabbah Parshish Hashem said, "I'm called tzvayis kshani nilchem." When I'm combating wickedness, injustice, I'm called tzvayis. That's my name. Okay, but it says Hashem Ishmolcham already by Moshe. Hashem Ishmolcham, Hashem Shmoy. You speak about Molchama, but it's with the name of Hashem, Hashem Shmoy. Parshish B'Shalach. Hashem nilcham lahem b'mitzrayim, not tzvoyes. So something happened. From the world, was from the creation of the world, no, no person called Hashem tzvoyes. Fascinating. You know, you hear such a Bible chazal, you have to take note, you have to take pause. Maza val maza, what's, what's this? So they should call them tzvoyes. It took thousands of years. Remember, Shmuel HaNavi lived a few hundred years after the Jews came into Eretz Yisrael. The Jews came into Eretz Yisrael in the year 2,488. That's two and a half, almost two and a half thousand years since creation. And then another few hundred years. Later was Shmuel. Shmuel is the one who anointed Shaul. He anointed David HaMelech. 
Shlaime, the son of David, builds the Beis HaMikdash. That's only four, that's 440 years after they came into Eretz Yisrael. Chana is the mother of Shmuel. So the Altarebbe wants to know what is the meaning of this. What is the explanation of this? And including the fact that the last Nevi'im used the name Tzvayis frequently. Chagai, Schaya, Malachi, the Sefer Tehillim. But nowhere in Chumash, nowhere in Taira. What we have, we have in Taira is that the Jews are called Tzvayis Hashem. We are the troops of Hashem. Yudke Vavkeit. Be'etzem ayoy mazay yotsu called Tzvayis Havaya, Tzvayis Yudke Vavkeit Ma'etz Mitzvah. Fascinating, fascinating question. And he introduces it by introducing the fact that there's a machlaikas in Gemara and Shavuos, Lamed Hay. If Tzvayis is a holy name that you're not allowed to erase, or it's just like a nickname. For example, we call Hashem Rachum, Chanun. You're allowed to erase it. It's, it's called Shem HaKinui. Shem HaKinui means like a nickname. We're talking about Hashem, but it's not like one of his names. It's not, so therefore it doesn't have that holiness that if I erase, I'm actually violating a prohibition of Torah with the penalty of, of, of lashes, potentially. Malchus, it's an Isser. It's an Isser in a Torah, leisasen ken l'ashem alekechem. is an express. it's like, you know, Hashem HaKinu, it's one of those... Uh, Descriptions, descriptions. It's a descriptive title, but it's not an authentic name. That's the shit of Rabbi Yosi. But the Chachamim disagree. And the halacha, the halacha is that Svoyas is considered one of the names that are not to be erased. So, what did Alter Rebbe explain? So to say it mamish in a few sentences, and I'm going to say it in a few sentences, and I know that I don't have a good reputation. When it comes to these promises, I'm going to say Blineder, but I want to get straight to the crux. The Alter Rebbe said as follows. Hashem, the word Hashem means a name. <laughs> so I'm now going to contradict myself, but I have no other choice. Hashem means the name. And that's the point. Why do we call Hashem Hashem? The name? The na- why the name? Because the point is that God is nameless. And there's no name for it. There's no way to describe it. There's no language to articulate the definition of what pure ain't safe is. Hashem himself is beyond any description, beyond any definition that can be articulated through language. Not only not through language, of, not only through speech, also not through thought. The moment we think of a name, we create a category, we create a story, we ascribe definitions, descriptions. That's why we say the word Hashem. Hashem means a name. In other words, all we can talk about is his name, not him. <laughs> you heard the bracha? I said, Baruch Atah. Atah. Hashem, Eleikeinu, Melech Ha'elam. A lot going on in that bracha. You heard? Baruch Atah. Atah is you. Hashem, Eleikeinu, Melech Hashem himself is nameless, beyond names. Thank you. Beyond names, beyond any descriptions. All language falls short to articulate the core. Nonetheless, we find in Tanakh and in Chazal, we find names. There are names for Hashem, including the big seven names that we're talking about, the big seven, beginning with Yudke Vavke, Kei Lalekim, 
Havaya yud kevavke, Tzvoyes akonint halach, Shindalad yud, Kel, Yudke, Eleka, Eye. Various names. Which have meanings. Which have meanings. So the Rebbe says, yeah. But Mokim Gedulase, Shamatamaitzian Vasnusa, in the great, in, in, in the, for Hashem to be called a Godel, for him to be called infinite, even infinite, for him to be called great, for him to be called godly, divine, for him to be called God. Absolute, eternal. He was, he is, he will be, timeless, transcendent, creator, master, whatever whatever name it is. Elikim, the ultimate judge, ruler. Kale, kindness. It's all the way infinite divine energy allowed itself to be named. In other words, to be able to be perceived, articulated, experienced within a particular framework, with particular features, with particular characteristics. And that's where the names come in. To use the language of Kabbalah, the names represent the kalim of the Esther Spheris of Atzillus. Each name represents another sphere, another characteristic. It's the keli of the sphere, the vessel of the sphere, meaning the structure of that particular sphere that articulates the divine energy in a particular fashion, in a defined fashion. To the point that you could give Hashem, so to speak, a name. The core of the light remains Ein Saif. Yudke Vavke is the pnimius of all the names. That's why it goes with all the names. Hashem Elekim, Hashem Elekim Tzavakis, Hashem Adna. Hashem always goes with all the names. It's a partner to all the names. Why? Because Hashem Yudke Vavke represents the Ur within the Keli. The names represent the Kalim. The Ur within the Keli, that's the Yudke Vavke. And the Ur is identical in all the Kalim because the Ur is ain't served. The Ur is pure defined energy that is then infusing the Kalim. In other words, it's being channeled and manifested through the characteristics of Kalim. And Alter Rebbe said that the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu gives the Jewish people, this is the Torah of Atzilus. This is Atzilus. This is divine energy articulated in the Kalim of Atzilus, and most of all of Torah branches out from Chesed and Gvura of Atzilus. Do and don't do what we engage in, what we don't engage in. That which is constructive, that which is destructive, that's what's positive, that's what's negative, that which is moral, that which is not moral, that which we come close to, that which we want to stay away from. What's Atzillus? Atzillus is the first world. What do we mean the first world? It's not called really a world, but it's called Atzillus. Atzillus comes from the word Eitzel. It's near him, it's close to him. Or from the word Laha Atzil, to emanate. It's not a creation. Atzillus is, so to speak, that space, conceptually, in which divine infinity assumes a name. Beyond Atzillus, there's no names. Nameless. Atzillus is the place where God assumes a name. What does it mean God assumes a name? Where infinity could be channeled and categorized and linguistically articulated in various features and concepts and identities. That's the names. And the Zoyar says, Hashem is one with his light. Hashem is one with his vessels. What does it mean Hashem is one with his vessels? When I call Hashem by his name, when I say, Baruch Hashem Eloikeinu, I'm not referring to a specific feature of God. I'm speaking, I'm referring to Hashem Himself. So why do I use the word Elikim? Elikim is the way Hashem's infinite energy is being channeled through a name, through a feature, through a characteristic, through a sphere, through a particular articulated medium and mechanism of expression. 
because the namelessness of God is nameless. There's no, there's no way to talk about it. There's no, if there would be no names, so divinity, divine infinity, would not be articulated in a way that it can be experienced or discussed or perceived within a realm of structure. But there's a gulf between Atzillus and Bria. What's Bria? Bria. Bria means creation. Bria is already the first world where you don't say Hashem himself is one with the Kalim. In Bria, the spheres, the spheres, which means the vessels, which means the various structures of the world, are perceived as separate, as creations, not just as channels of infinity. It's, it's therefore called a self-contained world. Bria is still a very spiritual world. It's a weir of the divine. But then you have Yitzira, Asiya. This is the devolution of states of consciousness in which the Kalim are perceived as separate entities. You don't say Ihu Vigarmoyichad in these worlds, only in the world of Atzilus. The revolution of Tzvois came from the Nevi'im. And it came from the Nevi'im because at that point, the Jews can experience Torah directly as Atzilus, as the Eid of Atzilus. And therefore it can touch them, the divine can touch them to the point that they become one with Torah. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu teaches. And all the names are in Atzilus, but Tzvayis is not. Tzvayis is the first name that articulates Bria. But how can that be Hashem's name? It can't be. A keli of Bria is not Hashem. A keli of Atzilus, yeah, but not a keli of Bria. That's the Chiddush of Tzvayis. The Chiddush of Tzvayis is that the Nevi'im, beginning with Chana, introduced, he's going to say how, that the Kalim of Bria, and therefore the lower worlds, can also become Kalim that channel the divine. And once the Nevi'im did that, they can speak to the Jews who were in a different space and communicate Torah to them as the pure divine energy to the point that they and the Torah would become one. And thus the purpose of creation can be fulfilled. This was not needed during the time of Moshe Rabbeinu because Moshe Rabbeinu spoke the Dvar Hashem through Atzilus and the Jewish people can absorb it, can experience it. But the Nevi'im, he says, were not just rebukers, they were not just preachers, they were not Darshanim, they were channels for divinity. And that could not go into the Jewish people like in the days of Moshe. What would be... What would happen is that in those days, the Torah would be separate and the person would be separate. The Torah had to go from Atzilus into Bria, that the Dvar Hashem should be able to be channeled to the Jewish people in an intimate way, that they should actually experience the Dvar Hashem, because they can only experience life from the perspective of Kalim of Bria Yitzirasi. Now, you're hearing what I'm saying. It sounds... Very, very abstract. So somebody asked me, what does this mean in life? How do you apply this to life? What, could you make this practical? And I have to say, I appreciated the question. Because when I'm not asked this question, it means that the person really is content with not fully understanding. And chesidus, you have to understand. And what does it mean to understand? Not just understand intellectually, experience it. Experience it in your bones. Experience it in your breath. Experience it in your emotions. Experience it in every fiber of your being. If not, we miss the point. 
You see it in the Maimur itself. What was the problem with the Nevuah? The Nevuah is, Ha'adam b'fnei va'ha'toyre b'fnei It remained two separate things. You're sitting at a drasha, Geshmakashir. Then you didn't get it. The whole kavana is that it becomes me, it becomes you. It's not Ha'adam b'fnei Al-Tarebbe says, it would have been after the date of Moshe, because the Torah was so exalted, it was Atzillah, so then the Torah would be alone and the person would be alone. Two separate things. That's not the way it's supposed to be. In other words, there's no unity. There's no full integration. There's no full internalization. So we too have to bring down the Maimir from Atzillah to Briya, to Yitzidah, to Asiyah, and into our own minds and into our own hearts. So I'm just going to suggest one possible way of uh, phrasing this perhaps in terminology that's more applicable at least to some of us. Is it completely accurate? I'm not sure it's completely accurate, but I think it's somewhat accurate, at least according to my understanding. This process that we're learning here is really a very internal process within ourselves. The journey of life is a journey from namelessness to names to distortion of names. In simple English, the journey of life is a journey from your pure essence, which is nameless, to the way your essence is given a name by you and by others, to the way that name becomes distorted through which your self-concept, your self-conceptualization, the stories you tell yourself about yourself become heavily distorted to the point that you're now suffering from anxiety or stress or sometimes even trauma. What is trauma if not a distorted name that you give yourself? trauma, A distorted name that you give yourself. If there would be a world without names, it would be a very different world. We have a world of names, but Al-Tarebbe says, remember that names come second. There's no real name. Everything is really nameless. You don't give names. First, you have to understand that the real core doesn't have a name. And it's true within yourself. The Alter Rebbe says in the Kudatayra Parshas Bahar, an Ashama never has a name. The only time we start introducing names is in the connection between Ashama and Guf, which means in the connection between the nameless reality, the featureless reality, and the reality that imposes categories and definitions and descriptions. Take a look, and we sometimes did this in the meditations that we did, right? I look at this, what do I see? What do I see? What do you see? A cup. A cup, right? This is a cup, yeah? what's this (laughs) you see all my furniture another cup yeah and what's this (laughs) this is a fork right but now if you take any of this and you put it into the crib of a little infant and he or she is staring at this you ever see how long they can stare at a cup how long can you stare at this cup (laughs) you get bored right a baby could stare at the cup and look at it from this side, and then push it over and look at it from the other side. The baby, the to- the infant, or the, even the toddler, pre-speech, pre- the, the baby, pre-speech, doesn't have the name cup. The moment I start calling this a cup, I really stop talking about it. <laughs> 
because I imposed language on it. And the moment I gave it language, I put it into a category. And the moment I put it into a category, it's now part of a story that I tell myself in my life, everything that a cup associates with in my mind. Now, with a cup, it's not a big deal. But if it comes to your mother and your father and your wife and your husband and your children and God and Judaism and the community and yourself, the moment I have a name, the moment I look at you with a name, I'm looking at you from the prism of language. The moment I look from the prism of language, there's already a whole history. To put it differently, I'm not anymore living in the moment, I'm living in the past. I'm living with the stories that this name is associated with, with the definitions and the way I experience and I relate and I appreciate those definitions, which can be very positive and can sometimes be not positive. The baby is not driven to give it a name. I don't need a name for this. I'm just looking at the cup itself. Take a raisin. Remember we once did it with a raisin, right? You take a raisin. We look at the raisin. It's a raisin. No, no, no. And then it's the end of the story. I already know what it is. Oh, your wife comes into the room. It's your wife. You know who she is. No, no, I don't know anything. I look at a raisin. I don't have a name for it. I just look. I can feel it. I can touch it. I can touch its texture. I can taste it. I can just see it for what it is without the compulsive need to give it a name, to give it a description. Everything in life, we right away give names. That's the feature of growing up. We have a name for everything. And that's why we stop living in the moment. We're living with other associations. We're living with past associations because everything has a description. Everything has a definition. You said something to me, and I don't actually tune into the words. I tune into the names I give those words. You come into the room or you communicate with me or I see something in you and I right away give it a name. What does it mean I give it a name? I put it in a filing cabinet. I put it in a box. I categorize it. I already brought language into the process because that's what names are. Names is language. In other words, I give it definitions. I explain what it means. (laughs) I already give it meaning. Once I give it meaning, now I have all these types of reactions. Either I'm very excited, or I'm very anxious, or I'm very rude, or I'm scared, or I'm angry, or I feel lonely, or I disassociate. You see why? Because I gave it a name. What does it mean I gave it a name? I already ascribed a certain meaning to it based on my understanding, based on me, not based on it. That's what it is. Now, could we live in a world without names? Rebbe Zidil would be nice to live in a world without names, right? He wanted we should live in a world of names. But in that world of names, we should learn chsidus so that we could connect to a place without names. So now let's go back to the essence. I hope you understand what I'm saying because this is this is you have to you have to get this. This is <laughs> this is not so simple. Cuz we're not trained to think like this cuz we're trained already in the world of names. I give everything meaning. My teenager said this to me. Oh, oh right away there's a name. <laughs> Chutzpah, obnoxious, miserable, angry. <laughs> in other words, I right away ascribe meaning to what you did, to what you said, to who you are. I already know you. I already know you. I have a name for you. Now everything just fits into that name. 
This is what language does. Can I remain completely humble and curious like that little baby? There's an expression in Rishonim, we're learning it now in Basi Lagane Chafalov. Ani mispalel loda zehatinoik. I want to daven like a baby, like a child. Truvasarivosh from Ripshimshin of Canaan. I want to daven like a tinik, like a child. What, why? Why like a child? Because a child looks at the cup and he doesn't see a cup. <laughs> he doesn't see a story. He doesn't connect it with other stories. He doesn't ascribe and impose his meaning and his experience of life on it. He just sees reality. And you know what that is? That's a very powerful way of living. Try it out. Not only with a cup, try it out with people. Try it out with yourself. Try it out with God. It's a very different reality. It's reality. It's reality. And I don't have a name. I, I don't have a name, sorry. I don't have a name. No name. I'm not tempted. I don't have to put you in a box. I don't have to categorize you. You know, the more cynical you are, the more scared you are, the more names you give people, right? <laughs> the more you need to control, the more you need to feel that you're in control. I'm not in control. Tatafes, Tamargish. A name is not bad. <laughs> a name is not bad, but a name is a limitation. A name is the channeling of the energy to give it meaning. Now, now listen to this. Once it has a name, it can be traumatized. That's where the names become distortions. The name itself is not a distortion. The name itself is a limitation. The name itself is a categorization. The name itself is putting it in a box. The name itself is language imposing meaning and definitions on something that is definitionless. At least I can't give my definitions. A name is channeling it and yes, putting it in a box. There's a reason we use a name cup. You know why? The baby can't manufacture more cups. We say, one second, I need more of these. What's the materials it's made of? We give everything names so we can do business with it, so we can use it for utilitarian purposes. If it doesn't have a name, right, then I say, hey, go bring me a cup, and instead you bring me this. So you remember the story by the Dar HaFlugger, right? He asked for a brick, you remember? And he, <laughs> they asked for a brick, and he brought him something else, and he threw the brick, he, and then he got upset when they were building the tower. It's all the Nasalonu shame. They wanted names, we live in a world, we want to communicate linguistically. So what am I supposed to say? I say, Reb Aden, Reb Ezreel, Reb Benzian, Reb Shimon, Reb Shia, Reb Mardechai. What am I supposed to say? Hey, you, nameless one. Hey, you, you, nameless one. But when we make a baruch, we say, Baruch, Ato, Ato, you, no names. Hashem, Elekeinu, Melechaylam, Baruch, Ato. Can we speak about Ato? No names. Anoichi. I. Who's I? Not the name of I is also a name. I can also be a name. I, I. Ooh, what does I come? I. I'm this, I'm that, I'm that. No, 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 no. Anoichi. It says in Zayah, Don't give it a letter, and don't give it even a sign of a letter, a little kites, even a little thorn, a little apostrophe, a little... Uh, what's called the tagim, those little lines on top of the letters, garnished. 
The eye of the eye. The eye beyond the eye. Because when I think about myself, I'm already self-conceptualizing. I'm already thinking, who am I? I'm thinking about Rabbi Waiwa, Yosef Yitzchak Jacobson. There's Yosef, there's Yitzchak, there's Jacobson. There's my past, there's my history, there's what I know about myself, there's what I'm feeling. Everything has already interpretations and names. It says in the Kutatera, the soul doesn't have names. That's why... When you daven for somebody, or we ask a brach, let's say you go to a Rebbe. Yeah, people go to the oil, let's say the Rebbe's oil. A lot of people going this week for Yutzvat, or next week. So you write your name and your mother's name. That's the minute, right? You give a kvittle opinion. Why? Why? Why do you write your name and your mother's name? Because what we're really looking for is that our nameless essence should be channeled through the flow of identity that we conceptualize within names. In other words, the name represents how your nameless essential core is channeled and articulated in a world of categories where the energy has to assume a specific identity. That's the flow, and you don't want that flow to get distorted because that's where distortion happens. In your essence, there's no distortion. But when I start conceptualizing things and giving them names, now I say, I'm a loser, I'm lonely, I'm a shmata, I'm a cynic, I'm fearful, I'm, I have no self-esteem, I can't do it, I'm a shlamazel, I'm a shlamil, I'm a nudnik. Do you want me to go on about who I am? <laughs> right? These are all names. This is, there was a distortion in my self-conceptualization. The only way to heal is to go back to my nameless essence to really go back to my nameless essence and to exercise that muscle, that muscle of atzmius, that muscle of namelessness. So now, let's see how this works in the cosmic picture. Hashem has no names, no names, no thoughts. No thought can grasp it, no language. Don't give language. Much of our anger with God or much of our anger with other people is because we give it a name. The moment we give it a name, we ascribe certain things to it. Everything, when it has a name, everything changes. So in the core, there's no names. That's the core. But creation is about the flow of infinity into a world of definitions. So in Atzillus, Hashem assumes names. That's Kalim. That's the way infinity is articulated in language and in experience. But over there, it's completely one with him. Ihu He's one with his Kalim. Because the name is seen as a channel for infinity. Your name is simply a way of expressing infinity through a particular prism. What happens in Bria, in Bria there's already a sense of separateness. The name is not experiencing itself as a flow of infinity. The name becomes a fixed model. And that's why the world there experiences itself as separate of the divine, because the name is not anymore just a channel for infinity. That's the gulf between Atzillus and Bria. As a result of that, Yitzira, Asiya, in lower states of consciousness, there can be trauma. What's trauma? Trauma is when you don't even know 
your essence anymore, when your name becomes completely divorced from your essence and there's no connection between who you are and who you think you are, between who you are and who you perceive you are, there's absolutely no connection. You're living in this fake, false, painful, lonely, anxious world in a cocoon because the name now has been completely severed from the essence and that's lower states of reality where I don't feel anymore that oneness. But it all begins, distortion begins with the fact that there can be a name. In Atsilas, there's no distortion, but the fact that Atsilas allows for names is what allows ultimately for there to be separateness, and then ultimately for there to be estrangement and alienation and trauma and loneliness. Moshe Rabbeinu speaks from a place of Atsilas. The Nevi'im need the new healing. This is the new healing in the days of the prophets. They need a new type of therapy, a new type of healing. They can't just speak the Torah of Atsilas, because there's separateness, there's a sense of separateness. So they have to find the divine in the Bria, in Olam HaBriya, Olam HaYitzir, Olam HaSiyah. In other words, they have to be able to realign the names in the lower worlds with Hashem Himself. That the Kalim of Bria should be able to be completely one with the Ur of the Alakos and no separateness. Yes, Rabbanan. Right. So, so I, it's a beautiful question. I just want to point out, we're very far from Atsilas, true, but we're also very close to Atsilas. <laughs> both are true. Both are true. We say every morning, I hope you said it this morning, I said it this morning, but I don't know if we, if we breathed it in, but every morning we say these words, Elekai neshama shanasata bi tohirihi ata varasa ata yitzarta ata nafachta bi ata mashamra bekirbi Rabbi Litzman, you said this already this morning. I'm sure you said it at a quarter to five, right? 4.45 in the morning, you were already saying it. So what are these words? What do these words mean? Hashem, my God, the soul that you have given me, that you have imbued in me is pure. You created it. You formed it. You blew it into me. So the Alter Rebbe asks in a mimer, he says, one second, first we should say that you created it, and then we should describe its properties. We should say neshama, Shanasatabi, the soul that you have given me, Atabarasa, you created it. You formed it, and it's pure. First tell me that it exists, and then describe it to me. But that's not what we do. We first describe it, and then we say, you created it. So it's, 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 if you would have to write it, he says, it's a, the order seems a little strange. I mean, you can explain it, but it seems a little strange. So you know what Alter Rebbe says, Moedadik. I said it a few weeks ago, you remember? Neshama Shanasatabi Tahirihi is the neshama, the way it experiences life from the perspective of Atsilas. Every single soul comes from Atsilas. It's a chelik elekami mal mamish. In other words, internally, if you can align your posture with your true self, just like the famous chiropractors do, what do they do? What do the famous chiropractors do? They want alignment, right? They want that the energy in the brain should flow through the central nervous system, through the spine and the spinal cords, and ultimately create this seamless flow to all of the organs and limbs and the tissue and bones of the body, all the way down till your feet and the sole of your feet. You wanted the posture, you know, when you see a person walking, you could see if there is that alignment. So Atsilas is the full, po- when the soul is standing and it's aligned with its full posture, so the top of the soul is Atsilas. 
and then it's a flow. Neshama shenasata bi tahira. Tahira means pure. Tahira also means in Aramaic light. It's divine light. Ata barasa. Then the soul goes into Briya. Ata yitzarta. The soul goes into yitzira. Ata nafachta bi. And then you blow it into the body, which is a sea of ata mashamra bikirbi. And now you have to watch the neshama. It shouldn't get distorted and traumatized in our world. You have to watch the neshama. What this means is, why did Anshik Nasas Hagdoyla institute this, this meditation every morning? Because every single one of us, on our deepest level, we are the manifestation of Atsilas. However, it comes down into lower realities. So you're right, you're right. We're so far from it, but we're also so close to it. And both are very true. We're far from it in the sense that there is so much distortion. There is a lot of toxicity. Sometimes there's a lot of trauma. We're also so close to it in the sense that it's karavei lecha. It's who you really are. It's who you really are. And therefore, it's, it's available. It's available to me. It's available to you. It's available to us. So we have our three processes. We have the nameless reality. We have reality once it's channeled through a name, but the name is still one with the essence. Why? Because the name doesn't eclipse the essence. The name channels the essence. And then we have the way the name becomes separated from the essence. The name becomes somewhat of a trap. The name becomes a, the name, the name becomes a sense of separateness. It's not anymore the name channeling the infinity. So when I hear the name, I don't get stuck in the name. I just see the name as a way of channeling the core. But rather, I can get stuck in the name. I don't know that there's anything outside of the name. That's the beginning in the world of Bria, where you don't say, In other words, we experience reality as self-contained. We give it a name rather than divine infinity. And that was part of the plan of creation. And then there's Yitzir and there's Asiya. And then there's a point where the name could become completely separated to the point that you can't even see the connection to the source. And that's where there is the distortions of life psychologically and emotionally. And it all comes from this spiritual devolution from the namelessness into Atsilas and then into the lower worlds. And it's the Nevi'im, it's the Nevi'im who feel responsible to bring back the light of God into people's souls. The light of God in people's souls is not by preaching, it's by revealing the Alakus in you. You have to be able to experience your own oneness with infinity. So for this, they have to be Mechadesh, Gewaldik, Tzvayis. What's Tzvayis? Tzvayis is the name of Bria. But can it be Hashem's name? How can Bria be Hashem's name? It's a contradiction in terms. This was the Chiddush, that the Kalim of Bria should be able to become names of Hashem, meaning that you could say, you can call Hashem by the name. When I call you by the name, I'm referring to you. I'm not referring to anything else. In other words, when you call Hashem by a name, you say, this is the name of Hashem, you're really saying that what? That this is Hashem. It means that the separateness of the world of Bria can also become one mamish with the truth, with Alakos. Ah, the Reichkeit von Chesidus. Ah. Hafluva fella. Is everybody as excited as I am? What's the source of the fear that prevents one from taking that step to get more towards its seals? There's sometimes a fear. Yeah, lonely, we're lonely. I'm afraid to get hurt. I'm afraid it's a vulnerable world. 
Names are much easier. <laughs> you, I give you a name, a name, 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 and I'm safe. And the worst is you give yourself a name. The moment I give my wife a name, even the name wife, <laughs> right? I give anybody a name. I give my child a name. I think of them in terms of language rather than in terms of pure reality. It brings up a bunch of other stuff which have nothing to do with the present reality. Think about it. A name, I don't only mean a name, Chaya, Sprinze, Yente, Malke, Sara, Leia. I'm not just, we're not talking about the concept of a name. A name means you give it categories, right? A cup, a raisin. You define it. You, you feel the need to define what happened. Don't define what happened. Imagine you can do that. Imagine your spouse can tell you something and don't define what she said. Don't define it. Don't look at the raisin and say raisin. Don't say raisin. Don't. It's not a raisin. Just look at it. Just be curious. Don't define it. You know what will happen? You're going to be living in the now and you're going to respond from a place of freedom. The therapists agree with me, but it's not easy to do. It's a very deep exercise. It's a very, very deep exercise because we're always giving definitions. We think that without definitions, we can't live. We don't realize that if we want to live, we have to get rid of definitions. <laughs> the Gemara says in Tamid, what should a person do in order to live? And you know what the Gemara says? You have to die. What does this mean? We think that in order to live, you have to give everything definitions. You have to define it. You have to right away tell stories. No. <laughs> if you want to start living, you have to liberate yourself from the need to put everything into a box, to give it a story, to give it a category. You know, the moment I say in my mind, here he goes again, here she goes again, right? And right away, right away, comes up with stories about me. I'm not good enough. It's all subconscious, it's all, it's not, I'm not trying to do this consciously. But I'm just not open to the flow of the moment. I don't know, did you hear this Vasemis yesterday, the Baron, that we turned, taught? Right? What Geula is? What's Geula? They're very beautiful words, right? Hamachadish betuve. What's Geula? Geula means there's now. What does now mean? Don't define it. Don't put it into yesterday's story. And two days ago, and a week ago, and a month ago, a year ago, a decade ago. But how could I? My sister sent me a text. My brother sent me a text. My mother sent me a text. My wife sent me a text. My child sent me a text. Right away, boom. <laughs> There's a story. There's a definition. This is what's happening. I already, I already know their emotions, which triggers my emotions. Oh. What? Yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't mean chas v'shalem, death, literally. I mean the death of definitions, of names. So you'll, so you'll say, Rabbi Waiwa, it's all very nice, but you can't be a crazy person. There's a cup. But yes, that's the point. You have to always... I know that we live in a world of names. Of course I know that. But you have to know and recognize the gulf. 
You have to recognize the separateness. You have to recognize that there is a very serious transition from namelessness to names that you have to humbly look at and be able to be cognizant of all of the distortions that happen in that process. So if you really want, if you really understand this mimer and boy, you know what you really understand? You understand the origin and the development of trauma. You see how it develops. From a space of namelessness, it turns in, we become creatures filled with names. And this is where my self-concept comes from. I, have to, I feel that I have to put myself in context. I have to conceptualize myself. When, I'm, when I feel an emotion or an experience, what do I do? I don't feel it. I give it a name. I right away give it a name. This is what I'm feeling. And you know why I'm feeling it? Because of this. Which means I'm this. Which means I'm not that. Before I know it, within two minutes, I'm already angry at the world and I'm alone in the world. But it all came because I had to give every feeling a name, every emotion a name. Right away there was a name. What if I wouldn't? What if I wouldn't do that? I can actually live with the present energy without the need to put that energy in a box and define it in a particular way which makes it part of another story, of another narrative, and doesn't actually allow me to fully be present to what happened right now. And as a result of that, my entire internal experience is very affected because I was forced, in my own mind, I was forced that I have to right away give this a name and process it in a certain way and impose my language on it and therefore it connects with everything else in my life and therefore I come to certain conclusions and now I'm more separate than you. There's a less, less oneness. The more I can transcend the world of names, the more I go into a world of oneness with me and oneness with you and oneness with the cosmos. Because in the ultimate source, there's oneness. And yet we live in a world of names. And that's the process, the transition that Alter Rebbe is describing in this moment. There's a song that a Jewish songwriter once wrote. He said, I forgot the exact words, but to something of this nature. The only thing we knew about Jack was that his name was not Jack. <laughs> the only thing we know knew about Jack is that his name was not Jack. <laughs> Right? Pretty deep. The only thing I know about you is that your name is not, uh, is not Jack or Stephen or George. That's the only thing I know about you. But you know what? That's something. <laughs> that's, a, that's a lot better than other people. We right away, we give language. You see, names is language. The moment there's language, everything changes. So you'll say, uh, so we should stop talking, so why are we having a shear? You're right. That's why silence is more powerful than language. And I'm not only talking about language of words, even language of thought. We think in language also. I'm not talking about language when I speak, even when I think. I impose language. I impose words. And that's where the, be- the beginning of that is spheres, kalim, structures, containers. Now, kalim are elikus. 
because kalim are channels for infinity through the world of definitions. But then there is a sense of separateness, and then there's a sense of distortion, and then there is trauma. And now we have to heal. And tzvayis is the beginning of healing. Tzvayis is the beginning of realignment, of separateness into oneness. And Chana, Chana, it took a woman, a Jewish woman by the name of Chana, to recognize this. That's what the Gemara says, from the day Hashem created the world, there was nobody to call Hashem Tzvayis until Chana came along. It's not just giving Hashem a name. Call Hashem what you want. No. Calling Hashem a name means that you could find Him through this feature. Through this name, you could find Him. In other words, you're realigning the name and Him. In other, in other words, you're realigning identity with infinity. In Atzillus, that's what Atzillus is. And that's what Moshe taught, and that's what the whole Torah is. But to do that in Bria, Tzvayis is already Bria. To do that in Bria, that was Chana's revolution. Now you want to know how the Alter Rebbe knew this. Uh, <laughs> what should I tell you? <laughs> On the Shama, that its posture is always rooted in the Ein Saif, experiences all of this. When the Neshama is rooted in Ein Saif, the Neshama, the, the flow comes through it. Okay, let's take some questions. Well, everyone, every, every tzaddik experiences Ratzav Rishov, that's what we learned in the Maimir on Ve'era, Vayidaber, that the Chiyos is always Mati, Veloi Mati, right? Ratzav Rishov. There's always the Ratzav. Ratzav is to ascend to the nameless world, to the nameless reality. And Shav is going back into names, going back into definitions, going back into the trenches. Ratzav is, I always want to touch that which is nameless. I yearn. Tzama lecha nafshi. Tzama lecha nafshi. Kama lecha wawa besa wawa li. Biyaretziya veyawayef belimawawayim. Tzama lecha. You know probably that this is a nigan that was composed by the Balatanya, by the Alter Rebbe. Yeah. So, nafshi. that's the Ratzi. I want to go to a place beyond the names because that's where we could connect. Face to face. Panim be panim. Pnimiyas be pnimiyas. Pnimiyas be pnimiyas. The Alter Rebbe once said in Amayim, he said, Anoichi Hashem alekecha. You know what Matan Torah was? Hashem says, I want that the Anoichi should become Hashem alekecha. I want that your names should be able to be filled with anoichi. I want that the anoichi should become your elikecha. Meaning, what's elikecha? Elikecha is your God. It's the way you describe God. It's the way you experience God. It's the way you give Hashem a name. Elikecha, your God. It should be anoichi. The elikecha should be anoichi. Back to the Maimar of Chachlili. Remember, Poiseach Hesiadecha Umazbiya Lechol Chayratzen. You open the yuds. The yuds is the way the energy is contracted and restricted in the yud. 
that every living organism should be able to experience the pure rotsan, the pure inner desires. Anoichi, the anoichi should become a lekecha. Your experience of Hashem should not be constricted and restricted. It should be an open channel from anoichi, and it begins with yourself. My self-conceptualization should be anoichi. In other words, I should not get stuck in my inner story of articulating myself in a particular way. It should always remain open to the anoichi, to the pure, nameless essence that is never defined and limited by a particular feature. I'm going to take a few questions, besides the questions that we had already. And just to announce, tomorrow morning, we're also going to have a shir, 7.30. And we're going to try to finish the Maimer Basi Lagani that we began. We already had four shiurim, and I want to finish it tomorrow. Be'ezer Hashem. And then, I hope, Bli Neder, that Friday morning, 7.30, we'll be able to... uh, finish this Mimer, please review the Mimer, please, I'm asking you, so you can understand very well the first two paragraphs. So then, Be'ezer Hashem Friday, we could finish the last two paragraphs of the Mimer from Vihine, and and ultimately get the full picture as much as we can to understand the uniqueness of the name, of the name Tzvayas. Let me take a few questions, if there are. If there's no questions, is a good... I have a question. Let's see the question. Why didn't the Rabbeim just write out the Maimer before Shabbos or Yom Tif, so that it would, it would just be as they desired and not dependent on the memory of the Chayzrim? So the truth is like this. The Alter Rebbe did not, did not write. He only wrote the Shulchan Aruch and the Tanya and a few things that he wrote on his own, his Chuvus, his answers. But he wanted the Chayzrim to write. It could be it was an issue of time. And also it could be that he wanted that they should really internalize the material. After the Alter Rebbe, uh, the Rabbeim did write most of their Maimarim, but they also had Chayzrim who wrote their Maimarim often. The Rebbe went back to the style of the Alter Rebbe, where he almost wrote nothing of his talks, almost, and he relied completely on the Chayzrim to write it. And perhaps this was a way of also training people to take responsibility for the material. You say that Svayas is a lower source. It comes from Bria. So Chumash are the names uttered by Hashem himself, names for himself. Is that how it works? Yeah, Chumash is dictated by Hashem, and Hashem dictates his names. My name is Aleikim, my name is Kale, my name is Yudke Vavke. So these names come directly from Hashem himself. But when it's speaking about the Tanakh, the Nevi'im spoke with divine inspiration, but it's not the same level of Torah. So that's the idea that Tzvayis is a, so to speak, lower name, indeed. We'll soon see that in a way it becomes a higher name, as we will see in the continuation of the Maimer. Chana introduces the name Tzvayis. How do we know this? Well, we know what the Gemara says in Brachas, that Chana is the first one to say, Vatispalel al Hashem, she speaks, she davens, on Hashem or to Hashem, and she calls him Hashem Tzvayis. So that's how we that's how that's how we know it. If a person grew up alone on an island with food to eat, he would have no language, no names for anything. He himself would have no name even to refer to himself. So before creation, Hashem didn't utter, utter any words. In other words, he didn't give anything a name. 
only with the ten utterances of creation in Bereshah did Hashem first create words and names for His creations. Yehi er, let there be light. It was not only the way that Hashem created light, but it was also the source of the name for light. Yes, in many ways, if you wish, you can describe creation as the creation of language. Bereshah is the beginning of the creation of language. That's true. And the creation of language is what creates a world that perceives itself as separateness. In other words, in many ways, and this is an expression in Chassidus, you could say, what is creation? Creation is the descent into Oisius. The Alter Rebbe writes this a lot. Creation is the divine infinity entering into the realm of letters, into the realm of language, into the realm of words, because that was the purpose, that was the purpose of creation. The purpose of creation is that God did not want to be on an island without language, without names for anything. We don't want to live on an island. In fact, Bereshah describes creation of man, it says, or woman, it says, The Adam became a living soul. What does the Targum Onkula say? A communicative soul. What does it mean to be alive? relationships, communication. So that is essential to life. It becomes essential to life. Because all of life as we know it is God articulating his energy, giving it language. So when he says, let there be light, you know what makes the light? What makes the light is that there's a name for light. There was light before. Everything was before. Everything is from Hashem. Everything was before. If you want to say it, this is a little abstract. Everything was be- everything existed before, but it didn't have a name. It says when Adam was created, he gave names to all the animals. He gave names. Yeah. And that, that represents creation. Everything existed, but we wouldn't know it existed because it didn't have a name. And because it didn't have a name, it didn't exist the way we define existence, but it existed without a name. I hope you, you you get really what I'm saying. This is this is not simple. Don't take this with words. Take this with, with with the place beyond words. What we call existence by definition is things that have a name. Names are required to direct anger, but also to express love or any other positive emotion. Of course, that's why there are names. Definitions are not bad. Chas <laughs> v'shalom. That's how I express love. But it's already a particular flow of energy within a particular framework and structure. Can There is no way we can live without names. We have to talk, we have to communicate. The awareness of entering into a relationship or naming something without judgment is maybe another way to speak about this. And maybe this is what you want to say. Yes, that's the point. We live with names. We talk, we communicate, we have names. We, we're supposed to name children, right? <laughs> the flow of energy comes through the name because that's what creation is. Creation was the process of namelessness descending into names. If a toddler for the rest of his life is just going to look at the cup and not be able to name it, we consider that a very challenging and painful situation. We want the child to begin to communicate. We want him 
or her to learn the alphabet, to be able to learn words, to be able to create sentences, paragraphs, ultimately to write and to communicate. We don't see it chas v'shalom as a curse. We see it as the ultimate blessing. But we have to appreciate the, tra- the, 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 the process of creation. We have to appreciate that language comes from a place that's beyond language. And that language, as much as it reveals, it also conceals. That's another expression of the Alter Rebbe, an unbelievable expression. As much as language reveals, it also conceals. It reveals because without language, how can we communicate? How can I articulate my ideas to you and you to me? How can I articulate my emotions? But language also conceal because they define everything. And the solution is not to obliterate language. The solution is to align language with silence. And that's what the Maimah is trying to teach us. Hashem set it up to be this way. So he starts with a lang- with namelessness, goes into names only to have us work to get back to the place he wants us to get to. It's a process that he wants for us. What's the point? Well, ultimately, the purpose of creation is the complete fusion of the infinite and the finite, or of that which transcends language with language itself. So that fusion, it's what we once learned in the Maimer, if you remember Tiku, we learned the Maimer of Tiku, Klal, Prat, and Klal. You remember? We start with Klal, we go to Prat. Klal is beyond language, Prat is language, and then Klal is language, is, is again beyond language. Maybe this is the reason... When we go to base Ha'avel, we don't talk. Since the pain is so great, we don't want to frame it. Yeah, generally, silence often captures much more than words because once we speak and say it in words, we already give it a framework, we give it a structure. Dr. Rebbe had a son, and he did not like to speak. His name was Reb Chaim Avraham. I mentioned two other boys, Reb Doiv Ber, the Mittler Rebbe, and Reb Moshe. But there was a middle son, Reb Chaim Avram. Reb Chaim Avram looked like his father. That's why when the Alter Rebbe's picture came out, when the painting was publicized, it was a painting that was made by a non-Jew. So the question is, is it authentic? And uh, one of the ways they knew it was authentic is because many people remembered Reb Chaim Avram, the Alter Rebbe's son, who they said looked just like his father. So, uh, so they saw the picture, they knew the painting, they knew it was authentic. He did not like to speak. And they used to nudge him and beg him and ask him. And he did not want to. He was just not, uh, he was just a very, very, very internalized person. And he just did not want to communicate. And once they pleaded with him so much, he said, okay. He was like forced. And they, he said, after Minche, Shalashudas will say something. So uh, he sat down finally and the crowd came. And he opens his mouth and he said one pasuk. Belibi tzafanti imrasecha l'man le'echtalach. Tehillim kofiyates. I have concealed your words in my heart so that I don't sin to you. And he wouldn't say anything else. But he was explaining that all communication is a form of sin. What we mean by sin is distortion. We have to communicate, but we have to realize the limits of communication. Communication forces things into a box, into a structure, into a framework. And therefore, we always strive to transcend 
that communication. It says in Rabbeinu Yoyna writes in the name of Yerushalmi, quoted on the Kudah Torah, Chazal only with difficulty allowed us to speak the words of Torah on Shabbos. Even the Torah, why? So the Alter Rebbe says, because Dibur is already concretizing life. And Shabbos is the ascent of the worlds from Dibur into Machshava and into the Pneumius. So the Alter Rebbe says, so what are you supposed to do on Shabbos? Is Shabbos you're supposed to sing. On Shabbos you're supposed to be silent. It's not the time of words. In reality, they allowed us to speak words of Torah on Shabbos. But it was a it was a difficulty. It was a, it was a cushy. It was a cushy. Okay, Chevra, I wish you all a a beautiful day. A day in which we confuse our nameless cores with the world of names and communication and definitions. Remember, it's always about posture. You remember standing straight or sitting up straight. They tell me I always have to sit straight like this, with two feet on the ground on the earth. So what is that really? It's that you want that your head should always remain in Atsilis and your legs in Asiya. So that way you could become a conduit for the flow. And not if I'm sitting Azai, 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 right? Like, you know, people sit like this all day, huh? You know, they sit like this, yeah. So the chiropractor says it's not good for you, it's not good for your neck, it's not good for your back, it's not good for your tension. But let's go one step deeper. The real issue is, it's not good for Atsilas. You understand? You need the flow. You need that flow. I'm not just talking about physically, I'm talking about psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. You want your name to be aligned with your core that is beyond names. Yeah? Halacha concretizes the spirituality, the vision of spirituality into reality. Powerful. Zeshmi la'olam v'zezichri, yeah. Shmi with, with, with uh, Yudke is the 365, and Zichri with Vavke is 248. And the reason it's so powerful is it comes from the Zohar, because God says, this is the way to call me by my name forever, and this is the way to remember me for generations. Because throughout history, people come up with many different spiritual methods through which to remember him, through which to connect to the energy, you know, like you mentioned chiropractory, which the, the founder of chiropractory in 1895 says is the way to fuse the spiritual and the physical. The power of, 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 of halacha is, God says, if you really want to have my name, possess my name, and remember me from generations, make sure you have the ramach mitzvah essay and the shasam mitzvah loisasa. That's the, using this word of chiropractory, that's the divine posture. The divine posture is we have 248 limbs and 365 giddim, whether it's arteries, sinews, and this. It comes from the divine posture of the 248 positive mitzvahs, 365. So when my physical and emotional and spiritual posture is aligned with God's posture, so then there is a seamless flow of, of energy. Chiropractic is practiced with the hands in Latin. Thank you for bringing so much healing to God's children. That's part of being an ambassador of love, light, hope, and healing. Not just in training. And not just a junior one, but also a senior one. 
You can't live that way. It's too hard. Too many distractions. You need to live in a place of stillness. You need to go into a place of stillness. Give me five minutes of your day, but those five days should be exclusive. Give me five minutes of your day, but those five minutes should be exclusively mine. Yeah, and even that's a small, very small amount. It should be much more. Yeah, it should be five hours. <laughs> There's an expression from Yapshimshin Astropolar. Toiva ha precious im habrios, vahabdidus besaych benayadam. It's very special to be able to be separated and aloof, even while you're amidst the masses, and to be able to be alone, even when you're mingling with many people. In other words, what he meant was, don't forfeit your stillness. Remain anchored in your authenticity, even when you're among the masses and you have to be integrated and you need to communicate. But remain still. Some I'm going to write out the words for myself so, I can, so we can sing. Very good. Beautiful. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.